0: Hi, and welcome to the uh, 2020 GMHC virtual session on short term healthcare teams collaborating with Indigenous workers like all of the workshops this year this session is pre-recorded we will have a live chat going in the chat box so if you are logging in would you just say hi and a little introduction we can get to know each other my disclaimer here is like many of the presenters this year i have never done a pre-recorded session like this Um, going to try to leave um, some pauses and for some of the questions I'll be asking I hope you'll bear with me and extend me an extra measure of grace for any awkwardness due to the um, pre-recorded nature of the session but I am looking forward to getting into some of um, the discussion on this topic today so um, welcome and uh, we will start here in just a moment while you're logging in, um, if you could just go ahead and let us know in the chat box have you ever been part of a short term healthcare team? Um, and, or maybe you're planning to be part of one. If you could just let us know where you've been, where you're going, why you're here, if you're with a group that works with short term healthcare teams. We just love to get to know each other here for a minute while uh, folks are logging in. Another question to consider in the chat box is, what are you hoping to get out of this session today? I'd love to hear your expectations and desires. Um, While folks are logging in and getting set up, I just want to take a sec to let you know what the session is and what it is not. Um, we're going to be talking about short-term healthcare teams collaborating with indigenous workers. The context of my background, which I'll share a little bit more about in a minute, is closer creative access countries. Uh, However, I think we'll be talking about some things that can apply very broadly here in working with indigenous movements. So I hope you'll stick around. If you're in this session by accident, um, you're welcome to stay, or if you wanna hop out and head to another session, no hard feelings. Since I'm pre-recording this, I actually have no idea if anyone's in here at all. Um, So I could be (laughs) really talking to a very small audience today, which is totally cool with me. Um, I am expecting this will be kind of a more niche workshop. Um, Anyway, we'll go ahead and get started here and um, if you could just, uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself in the chat box if you haven't done that already and we'll get started. A little bit about myself. My name is Kelly P and we have been long-term workers for 16 years now in a creative access context. My background is in international public health and for the sake of security I will not offer many details about myself. However, I've put my email here if you would like to connect, especially if you're interested in further discussion on short-term healthcare teams with indigenous partnerships would love to start a dialogue. We're talking about getting together in a couple of weeks and would like to invite anyone who's interested in talking about this further in a live discussion format. You can email me here. I'm passionate about community development and church planting, indigenous workers, and I spend a lot of my time translating language as well as culture to visitors and I love the global church family, whatever the background. We are especially thankful for short-term teams that come to sow into the work that God has called us to. And we are really thankful for your time and commitment to God's mission overseas, especially in the context of partnerships with indigenous workers. A couple of objectives for the session today. I do hope to share some of the incredible story of Harvest that's going on in our place. Um, I'm going to present an open doors access strategy. It's a model for using short-term healthcare teams in indigenous-led movements and creative access places. I think there's a lot of takeaways that could apply, broadly speaking, um, for any kind of short term healthcare team, like I mentioned before, if you're not in a creative access area, I still think a lot of what I'll be uh, sharing today could be helpful and apply to any place in the world. I hope that you walk away with a vision for how short term healthcare teams can really be a strategic part of indigenous gospel movement. And with some actionable steps moving forward for those of you who would like to get more involved. And so, like I said, if you want to be part of a live discussion in a couple weeks follow up after the conference on this topic, you can email me. Um, Also, we have this session page where you can leave comments, feedback and download some cool resources would like to start just with sharing uh the word together and this is a wonderful passage that can be very grounding as we do talk about partnership with indigenous movements um, and this is from philippians chapter 2. have this mind among yourselves which is yours in christ jesus who though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And in many ways, as I reflect on this passage, as it comes to serving in a cross-cultural context, I think that this word death resonates so much because so much of what we do is lay down self and all of our constructs and all of our perceptions of the world and and really sacrifice a lot of things, earthly things, to serve God in a foreign place um, to bear life in others and, and in that way bringing life through our death. And so humility is such an essential part of the way of the cross in um, any kind of overseas work. And it's, a, it's a really the essence of the core essential components of a successful partnership Cross culturally with indigenous movements, So what is the way of the cross? this death and dying to self, humility expressed through a servant heart on a short-term healthcare care team? When I was first asked to put together this presentation, I had a list of about 20 things that I thought seemed very important for short-term healthcare trip participants to think about before they come. As I reflected and prayed, these five stuck out as core essential components of the Way of the Cross for any trip participant or any team leader. So today I'll be sharing the model that we've used to give a little context for some of the stories that I'll be telling, but I hope what you'll take away today is that when it comes to collaboration with Indigenous workers, When we talk about collaboration, what we're really talking about is servanthood, life producing, fruit bearing relationships. We must empty ourselves and walk in the way of the cross. That sounds easy enough, but is it? We have to lay down our personal goals and focus on the bigger goal, which is the advancement of the gospel in which we play a very small part of a much bigger picture. We have to value the workers and their contributions, their sacrifice, and their vision for the ministry in the place where we're serving. We have to prioritize people and relationships over task, efficiency, time, and outputs. We are not here to show how productive we can be. Our productivity is not the goal. In fact, inefficiencies are often the conduit for deeper relationships and trust in the communities where we're serving. We have to submit to the national partners in matters of problem solving, local relationships, cultural issues, and any requests which are not out of line with the gospel. Our respect and honor of the indigenous worker will lend credibility and legitimacy to further their gospel work. We have to be open to shoulder bruises. Gentle rebukes are sometimes necessary, and when they're done in love in the context of relationship, we must consider the value of correction because it leads to growth and more fruit bearing in partnership, especially in cross-cultural settings. So when you go on a short-term healthcare trip or lead a team, laying down your personal goals and focusing on the long-term advancement of the gospel is really the first and most important step towards taking up that servant-hearted, emptying of self mindset of the way of the cross and serving the indigenous partner when we talk about laying down our personal goals, knowing the bigger picture can really help us perceive our smallness and the grand story that God is weaving for the unreached people that we are going to serve. It's very tempting and I think quite natural to think that when you go to the field, the story begins with you and not realize that you are walking into the middle of a story that has already begun. And when we take the opportunity to investigate the spiritual history of the place we're going, we are broadening our perspective of our part of what God is doing in that place and it adds immense value to the work. So when you're going on a trip or leading a trip or or sending teams to partner with indigenous workers, these are incredible and valuable questions to ask of your host. And if there are long-term workers there facilitating the teams, talk to them. Ask them, how did the gospel first come to this place? When did it happen? What is the vision that God's given you? How have you been working toward it? And what is our team adding to your vision and strategy? And that is the gospel advantage that you will bring is a broader perspective and a posture and position of servanthood. When my husband and I first uh, moved to our place where we've now lived uh, the last ten and a half years, uh, we really had no idea the extent to which we were wrong on so many levels about what we thought God was going to do and what he was going to use and what we had to bring. We really spent a good first two years unwinding a lot of those misconceptions and he brought us to a place where we realized we needed to understand what he was already doing. We spent about the first five years just really getting to know our indigenous workers that we work with and the different projects they had going on, what their needs were, the way God had already been working and the dreams and visions God had put on their heart, and that was really huge for us in terms of, of turning our ship in the right direction, to line up and serve them, really, uh, to come kind of underneath them and offer different supports and, um, and tools that they could use to further their work. I put this particular picture up on the left because I want you to notice the sheen of sweat, uh, sheer sweat that went into these few years. It it was not only physically hot um, where we live, but just the ways I had to allow and release things and allow myself to be broken and uh, unwound and really um, cultivate a learner heart and, and embrace the corrections and the tensions that came with that process. So these were very um, challenging years, exciting years, very important years in laying that foundation for that long-term uh, partnership with the indigenous um, peoples in this place. And I just want to add another disclaimer because before we go much further, you'll notice here a blacked out A lot of uh, eyes and facial features Um, if we were meeting in person I might not have had to do that but just because this is going up on the internet I am taking that extra precaution in addition to some of the awkward pauses that this pre-recorded session is going (laughs) to leave I hope that you can see past this and piece together this beautiful story without uh, some of the advantages we would have of meeting in person. So we would just take a second to turn our attention to the live chat. What do you think of what I've shared so far about unwinding our misconceptions? Has this sort of thing ever happened to you? Take a moment to just reflect on that and offer your thoughts as we move into the next section of this presentation just want to pose one other follow-up question here for those of you considering long-term field service what do you think about this what might be the value of intentionality in how we approach our unwinding in the beginning season of ministry what value might that add to the entirety of our service if we really are intentional about unwinding and what does that really look like practically love to hear your thoughts again not really sure since I'm pre-recording this that we have any potential long-term workers today but it's a good question to consider towards any kind of ministry So as we talk about unwinding ourselves, which is true emptying and learning and leaning into the process of God's refinement in that emptying, and we lay down our personal goals, we are in a wonderful position then to see the bigger picture much more clearly and to have the right perspective of our place in the story God's writing for the people he's called us to serve. It was around this point of four or five years into our service where God brought me a very special gift. He brought into my hands some journals. And in these journals were some stories from some missionaries who had lived and worked in a nearby area some 70 years before us. So I'd like to wind back the clock and tell you their story. This begins in the 1940s because this is really where our own story begins, with this band of missionaries in Asia and the rumblings of World War II beginning to break out. They had a choice to make. They could either stay and hunker down in their place or return home, and many of them did. But those who stayed behind started a small Bible school, and not too much longer after that were captured by the Japanese and put in prisoner camps. Most of them died, and a few of them lived to tell their stories, which we had the honor of reading. One of the stories locked inside the pages of those journals was that of some maps they had smuggled into their camp, and the prayers they had prayed at night, naming these far away, little known villages by name. As we read those pages containing the names of the very villages we had been sent to 70 years later, we were struck by the awareness of God's big story he was weaving for our people and our smallness in the grand scheme of things. We were filled with such joy and encouragement by this. Those missionaries never saw the fruit of their labor but God did answer their prayers for those far away and unreached villages. And out of the very Bible school that they had started, an indigenous movement began 60 years later. And one of the men who was sent out went by the name of Mark. Mark and his family had been called by God to be sent through an indigenous church planting group to one of these faraway villages. They lived a comfortable life in a settled urban area when they first heard of the unreached people in these remote villages of their own country, people who hadn't yet heard the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Mark and his family had grown up as Christians in an area that was more accepting of this minority religion. They had a nice, comfortable life with stable job, brick home, access to anything that could need in a bustling city, and school for their kids. They gave up everything and moved grandparents and all, to these villages that were basically a collection of homes in the middle of a swamp with no running water, to become field laborers, literally farmers, alongside their new neighbors, who were very closed and wanted nothing to do with Mark or his family, nor wished to hear anything they had to say about Christianity. The community was hostile, threatening, and intimidating Mark's family day after day for ten years. Through small acts of love and hospitality, living a quiet, gentle life, always ready to answer any questions, Mark and his family hoped to win them over, but they were met with destruction when some hardliner villagers burned down their home, where they had been faithful to worship every Sunday morning. This was devastating for Mark and his family. They had a choice to make. Would they stay, or would they go? They chose to stay and continue their faithful witness day by day to love and grace of Jesus Christ. They rebuilt their home and continued to worship. It was two short years after their home was burned that we met Mark and began working together. When we started working with Mark, we had been living in another part of the country, and we had moved closer to the area where Mark was working and gotten to know him a bit. And we really just had a vision to come alongside him and serve his ministry by creating some type of community outreach that could show God's love in a non-threatening way. In this place, in this time, a felt need in the area was for access to healthcare services. God gave us a vision to bring in a small, uh, very uh, non-visible under the radar medical and dental team that could move around to some of the neighboring areas and really just spread goodwill and build trust for Mark. And to do that, we knew that Mark needed to be, Mark and his team, needed to be in the forefront of this work, and that we could come in with the uh, esteemed tools and status and meet the felt needs at the same time elevating Mark in that community and really um, conferring more trust and credibility for him. Uh, Over the years, this model that God gave us um, we use in many places, and we now call it the Open Doors Access Strategy for short-term healthcare teams. The purpose is to simply open doors for the gospel advancement in closed areas um, by meeting that felt need in partnership with an indigenous workers who are at the forefront of the activity so that they can continue the work after the team leaves. So this is a three-way partnership between the indigenous workers, the short-term team, and then in our case uh, we have long-term workers, which I call the fixers, which is essentially what we do in that role, um, working together, all three of us, to um, to to do this activity during that short trip. So the desire here is that this team would serve as a key and together with the power of the Holy Spirit unlocked those closed doors and those closed communities. That key that this team brings is building trust and that gospel witness through the compassion and kind acts and the healing uh, focus, the listening and the respect that witness together with the trust that this kind of um, activity builds is a key that can unlock a door in a closed place. So the outcome we're going for here is an invitation for follow-up. So because we are oriented to opening the door and not necessarily oriented to high patient outputs, um, to huge increased access to medical care, Uh, The design is a bit different than what you may experience on other trips in more open areas. We're working towards a different strategy. Some key aspects of the Open Door Initiative. Uh, for those of you planning a trip or considering um, working with this type of model in your place, again, please feel free to email me for more details. But these are just some of the key aspects. And my, uh, my Steam colleagues that looked over this presentation suggested I may change this, Title to How I Am Going to Destroy All Your Expectations. So, if you have served on another type of trip in a more open context, or if you are a group sending lots of teams, this may be quite different than um, the average uh, short term healthcare trip. But we are looking specifically at small team sizes. Um, typically less than six people, because we're going for agility. Uh, we're trying to minimize visibility, uh, both uh, in the interface to promote the indigenous worker, and also with the authorities and uh, other um, invested uh, partner uh, key people in the area who may have um, issues with this type of work, and also minimize problems um, and. Uh, quite honestly, it just it's slimmer and a stealthier model. Uh, typically, because of the goal of reducing visibility, we are going for five to seven days. Uh, by the time anyone finds out about what we're doing, who might have a problem with it, typically the team is gone. This really depends on good community relationships and maintaining trust throughout the process. So that is where the indigenous worker partnership with the local communities is key and and truly has been already ongoing. Um, All these places that we are going, they have already been working six to nine months. So because of the travel and uh, also the small team size, Um, groups who send teams like this may find this team um, might not break even. Uh, The short time does mean exhaustion every single day, especially when you're dealing with jet lag and hotter climates. Uh, We are spending a half to full day at each location because we're trying to increase coverage. And that is that spreading goodwill to the various, um, nearby communities. And we're trying to promote the strategic value of the indigenous worker in those places. So our focus is more on, um, promoting them and lending trust and credibility for them. So we're going to plan, for about 50% efficiency, and this is really hard, especially the first trip or two for um, for us Western task-oriented and time-bound um, uh, servants is a lot of waiting, eating, sitting, and listening. And the reason for that is we are integrating into their culture because again, our orientation is to promote the credibility and legitimacy of those workers so that after we leave, they have the relationship, trust, and footing to go uh, to the next level in their work. We do use a mobile clinic model and we try to put the indigenous workers into key roles that have a lot of community interface. So any type of community relations, and that includes the security guys outside or the people that run the lines and call the names, translation, triage, pharmacy help, eyeglasses, prayer, counseling, gospel presentation, uh, prayer, follow-up, and again, this is all part of a church planting strategy. So a, a little reminder, our thoughts are not your thoughts, O oh Lord. The way that we come in and what we see and think might be important and needs to happen um, is, is not necessarily the way God sees it and what the goal is in in promoting and advancing the gospel through that indigenous worker. So quite a bit of handshaking and interruptions and community relations. Quite a bit of listening and prayer. Quite a bit of waiting, whether it is for uh, the way that patients are called and brought through triage to your station, whether it is waiting for a translator to have a five-minute conversation with, some, with the patient in the language you don't understand to try to tease out the symptoms and um, get the medical history or whether it's just waiting for the patient to get to the point. Um, In some of these cultures, it involves quite a long conversation. And waiting can be very difficult. And here, of course, a lot of eating, and I would say not always being a spoon-fed delicious cake in this case, but uh, eating is very much an important part of many cultures that we're talking about here. All this sitting and waiting uh, and being oriented towards the bigger goal of the long-term advancement of the gospel. It really brings me to my second point of getting in the right position by knowing the value of the indigenous workers and their ministry and also knowing your own value as an outside expert. Um, We truly believe that indigenous ministry is sustainable and leads to healthy gospel advancement strategies. We believe in the beautiful picture of the first fruits of a harvest being sown back into the work um, and the portrayal of that in the indigenous people going to um, bring the gospel to their own people. They speak the heart language, customs and culture, and they eliminate barriers of the affluence that you may um, portray just by the perception of your background, which may or may not be true. And the history of colonialism in many of these places that is still part of the present consciousness of the people and another barrier to the spread of the gospel. The indigenous workers can avoid a patron-client relationship and the dependency that comes with that. And they also uh, tend to see problems in a culturally relevant way that leads to workable solutions that generate buy-in. So the indigenous workers hold a lot of value. While they may not hold medical, nursing degrees, dental degrees, the value that they bring is um, something to be respected and honored in the context of the trip. you bring as an outside expert is your technical tools, your status that can act as a key to build trust for that worker with the Holy Spirit power in that community because when you go and heal the sick, you listen, you show compassion and kindness, you are bearing a witness to the gospel of Christ. You're lending credibility and legitimacy to that worker and you're really encouraging them. As you're watching this and we head back into this discussion, let's use the chat box to make this interactive. Can you think of other value or contributions that the indigenous workers or the outside experts bring on short-term health care trips? Okay, I'm not going to get into this chart here. I am putting it on the downloadable files. It is um, I'm just trying to show kind of how we run these, these trips with the three partners, the short-term health care team, indigenous workers, and the long-term worker, if you have one, in terms of how we design the team, the makeup of the team, the way the inter- community relations interface is happening, what the next steps are, and what the outcomes we're going for. I do wanna highlight here, uh, the role of the indigenous worker in this model. So these are church planners. They're the men and women serving on the front lines, So they're often putting, like I said, six to nine months worth of work and time investing in these communities to open the door just a crack for your team to come in and blow the hinges off. So the more we can empower them on the front lines, the more sustainable the work's gonna be when we leave, the more credibility we lend, the more opportunity for them to make deeper connections that matter and to get an invitation to come back for furthering the community trust. Uh, So you can see on this chart some of the specific roles we put them in. I want to just mention the role of the fixer, which is myself in this model, as a coordinator between parties, a bridge between the international or the indigenous workers and the team, and also for translation, cultural sensitivity buffer. This has exponentially furthered the work in our place and accelerated the timeline, the impact. It's not always the case. And you may find in other places it works differently. I would like to encourage long-term workers who may be watching this to consider that role you could play in in launching and coordinating teams like this because it is very behind the scenes and you take blows on both sides, but essential in expediting um, the impact of what these types of teams can do and this type of partnership can do. Um, Key roles in this effort as leaders are the team leader for the short-term team, the long-term worker, if there is one, and the main international partner, often leader of the indigenous work group. Those are the three leaders and we're a three-way partnership and we work together. Um, And uh, if you're interested in more detail, you can check out the downloadable items. Also email me that email address at the beginning and end of this presentation. So some of the upgrades we've made, and we've learned a lot over 10 years, but one of the main things is always putting indigenous uh, workers, our partners, in those community interface roles as often as possible. Um, And when we can find members of the indigenous church to come along the trip and fulfill some of those roles, like here we have a Uh, pharmacist who comes along with us now. This is a key and really building that ownership in the indigenous group. They are starting to take their own teams now and when they don't bring along a physician, they bring along a lot of other things that are equally uh, valuable to the community. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'm setting myself up to show you the two most now popular stations at our uh, mobile clinic, the foot massage station and the haircut station. And these are actually the longest lines. Uh, Over the years, they've gotten longer and longer. And these are actually church planters who are taking on these roles. And these are their ideas, things that they think the community would like. And um, believe it or not, this is actually very culturally relevant way to show love and servanthood, which is what they're doing by massaging feet and giving haircuts. It's really a beautiful picture of an indigenous owned uh, expression of service and love um, collaborating together with these technical tools and um, skills that the healthcare team brings in from the outside with the medical, dental and other types of healthcare um, outreaches. Something else we've added over the years that has also become really popular is our physical therapy station. And um, again, the communities seem to really love this and uh, it is actually one of the most popular stations that we have going kids programming has been another great addition and this is something really the indigenous partner now brings an entire team that runs kids programming all day during these mobile clinics so the more we've done these over the years as as they have kind of wrap their minds around how this works. They have, you know, after about a year of doing this, they started coming up with a lot of creative ideas and adding a lot more elements to these mobile clinics. So really, um, now what I call them is the love train because that's essentially what we're doing is trying to bring in uh, all these different expressions of love and service to build trust in these communities. Concurrently, running along the years has been uh, another initiative that is training indigenous church planters as uh, dental health workers, and they are doing basic extractions. And A lot of you are familiar with this model, maybe even using this model, Uh, but they come along these trips and do services for free as part of the um, whole uh, mobile clinic that we run. So really, over the years, we have become a multicultural team, and it's really something that um, we work, uh, we've we worked towards and we celebrate now, working together as a family with our indigenous partners. Uh, we've gotten to know each other and really extended a lot of grace towards one another in this process of becoming a team. Uh, So, you know, the title I was given was Short-Term Healthcare Teams Collaborating with Indigenous Workers. And um, I guess when I think of that word collaboration, I really just think of our team and our family that we've created over the years. So we do bring back a lot of the same team leaders, uh, but the team participants are different people that rotate in. And so uh, it's just been a beautiful picture of the church uh, and really encouraging to our partner. So, really, as a participant or leader or sender of short term healthcare teams, getting the right priorities from the beginning can radically change the dynamic of these trips. To be focused on people and relationships over task, efficiency, time, and outputs, uh, those are distractions when it comes to building a collaborative, multicultural initiative, and uh, serving a bigger goal of gospel advancement as a community trust building being the main main focus, really, of uh, the short-term teams portion of this bigger picture of opening the doors for the gospel in these places. So uh, upgrades over the years, and I've already mentioned quite a few of these, but we have lowered our patient goal because we've just realized uh, the extent to which we add in a lot of active listening and interruptions and waiting and delayed starts and all of those things that are really hard uh, to handle as a Western um as a Western mindset uh, person, uh, we really think the more realistic thing has come down to 125 for two physicians. Uh, We've reduced the team size as a product of transitioning the leadership of this initiative to the indigenous partner. When we first started, it was more like six or seven. Uh, so over the years, we've needed less and less, uh, outside experts coming in on these trips, which is really the goal is that it would become nationally led. And I mentioned adding whatever felt needs are in the community, whether it's haircuts, massages, uh, PT, stretching, dietary kids activities, and really trying to, uh, train up indigenous partners into some of the key roles. So, keeping that bigger picture in mind, with a goal of gospel advancement, that's a long-term, sustainable, indigenous-led initiative. The key advantages that a short-term healthcare uh, team brings in is really just opening the door to the new area. And so, by um, serving in that Christlike witness and respecting and honoring the indigenous worker to the community, we lend credibility and legitimacy and increase their trust. So, we're really going to esteem, honor, and encourage the workers. And that truly is one of the best contributions of the short term teams. So, the fourth essential component of walking the way of the cross as a short term team participant, leader, or sender is to get in the right posture, to really submit to the indigenous worker matters of problem solving, local relationships cultural issues and any requests that they might make of you which are not out of line with the gospel or violate your personal convictions. And I will say that quite often um, those sense of violation of a conviction can really boil down to a misunderstanding or only seeing a part of the picture or a cultural difference. So I would encourage you, if you ever do feel that way, to go to your team leader first or the uh, long-term worker coordinator first before going to that national partner because um, going to them in a rebuke on something where you may be out of line uh, can be very discouraging and disempowering Um, to that indigenous worker. Your respect and honor of the indigenous workers will lend credibility and legitimacy to further the gospel work. So the way you treat them in front of the community and the leaders of that community has a big impact on them after you're gone. I'd like to share with you one more short story of a family who came to one of these clinics in the jungle at Mark's place. Uh, They came 20 hours by motorcycle and boat to bring their baby who presented with uh, Staphylococcus scalded skin syndrome. And uh, one of the physicians in the clinic had a dermatologist on call and they were able to work out a treatment. And this family was overjoyed that they could find medical help for their child who had been in so much pain. One of the treatments prescribed at the beginning was to scrub the dead skin off their child's hands and feet and this of course was excruciatingly painful. Uh, The following morning they came back and they said we can't do this, we can't put our child through this pain. And the Western doctors uh, really struggled with this one because it was obviously so important for uh, the healing process. But in the local culture, this um, causing pain in your child is a major faux pas. And what's more is, you know, they certainly didn't understand the intricacies of the medicine being offered. So this was a real uh, disappointment at the beginning, but the national partner, Mark and his team said, you know, we've got to serve this family and do it for them. We need to step in, take the place of the mother and be the ones to scrub the skin off. And if the treatment works, it'll prove to the community that what we're offering is legitimate and it'll also uh, be an expression of God's love. And maybe it could be a way that we can share the gospel with this family. So as the baby was screaming, Mark and his team turned towards our team and said, "Okay, one of you needs to do this. And of course, this wasn't exactly a popular task. Um, However, we had a nurse on the team who volunteered. And she spent two hours scrubbing the skin to the cries of this child. And um, it was very difficult for the parents. The mother had to step away. and. this nurse stood in the place and did this act of love and really saved that child. At that point, we left that location and went on to another. And it wasn't until a few weeks later we received a message from Mark. He said, the baby is healed, as you can see here, he sent the picture on the left, and the family has come to faith in Christ. So God used that small act of love to bring this family to a place where they could hear the gospel message and receive it. And I'll just go ahead and give my final exhortation and that is truly uh, to be a learner as an act of humility to go in and recognize that you have a lot to learn and to posture yourself um, under the national partner indigenous worker and your host uh, to learn and to um, see gentle rebukes or correction which are done in love in the context of relationship to consider the value of those kinds of corrections in your working out of that gospel of servanthood and an opportunity for growth. So going back to Mark's story, you may remember from the beginning of this presentation, um, when I described first meeting Mark and we began doing some of these open door uh, mobile clinics, um, fast forward three years and God has really used this to uh, blow that door off the hinges uh, through these uh, repeated mobile clinics And um, the trust that Mark was able to build through his loving witness day by day with his family, uh, living in that community and showing love and compassion in the face of hostility, um, the community finally did invite Mark to build a church. And several of the leaders have now accepted uh, Christ. And the church is bearing fruit and multiplying in this area. And the short-term healthcare teams really played a pivotal role in opening that door a little bit wider through building trust and uh, showing the love of Christ and the humility of Christ and the servanthood of Christ to the people in that community. In the live chat, and just reflect for a moment on everything that I've shared in this presentation. What do you think when you hear Mark's story and the Open Doors access strategy that was used? Take a moment to respond in the chat box while we finish out this session and then head into our short time of live chat here at the end. So when you're on a trip, you're planning a trip, or you're considering. Uh, the value of these kinds of teams in partnership or collaboration with indigenous workers, you can take action in those moments where you face the tensions that come in uh, working towards a multicultural expression of the gospel through partnership uh, like this, you make a choice in those moments in those tensions to walk in the way of the cross for the sake of Christ, for gospel advancement in that place, to empty yourself and to choose love and to choose sacrifice. We remember the sacrifices that our indigenous worker partners have made. We consider the value of the ministry God has given them and trusted to them and our role in partnering for that short time. And we look ahead to what God will do and we celebrate this expression of the uh, global church family in these kinds of partnerships. We know that our encouragement of the national partner, our prayers for them, and our ministry of presence for them can be one of our best contributions as we walk away having served as a key and opening the door to further the gospel in closed places. So just a recap of these key aspects of the Way of the Cross when it comes to short-term healthcare teams whether you're using something like this open door strategy as i've presented or even if you're heading into a different kind of ministry model laying down your personal goals and picking up this bigger picture goal of the long-term advancement of the gospel that God is working out through those indigenous workers and valuing them in the ministry God's given them and looking at yourself as a servant of them in this kind of partnership and collaboration towards long-term building a multicultural team. We can prioritize people and relationships over all the tasks and all the efficiencies and the things that may bring us comfort or a sense of control and productivity that we can relax and rest into um, those uh, relationship moments that really lend the trust and the community building that will further the gospel advancement. We submit and respect the indigenous workers and we're open to correction as a way of learning. As we're heading into a few minutes of live chat I just want to remind you that um, we will be having a follow-up live discussion anyone who's interested in hashing out and getting into this more in a live discussion format to send me an email uh, stick around for the live chat in here and we do have those resources on the session page at the GMHC website so thanks for coming today and I would love to hear your thoughts on this question of um, what do you think about this model? And what do you think about Mark's story? And how can we work towards sharpening our movement of short-term health care teams partnering with indigenous workers? So next steps, if you want to get more involved or take action after this workshop, email me to join a live Zoom discussion in a couple weeks. I'll leave feedback questions and continue the discussion on the session page, and we'll have a little time for live chat here. Uh, And then you can activate your knowledge and the things God has put on your heart. I would challenge you to choose two of those essentials in the way of the cross that maybe you might want to focus on uh, diving into more with um, reading, investigating, reflection, learning, and growth. And so um, we've put some resources on the session page that you can download. You can also contact me by email for more information.